the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Christ yesterday and today, the beginning and the end. To Christ belongs all time and all the ages. To Christ belongs all glory and dominion, now and forever. Amen. Rejoice, heavenly powers, sing choirs of angels. Exalt, O creation, around God's throne. Jesus Christ, our King, is risen. Sound the trumpet of salvation. Rejoice, O earth, in shining splendor, radiant in the brightness of your King. Christ has conquered, glory fills you. Darkness vanishes forever. Rejoice, O Church of Christ, exalt in glory. The risen Savior shines upon you. Let this place resound with joy, echoing the mighty song of all God's Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Except this Easter candle, a flame divided but undimmed, a pillar of fire that glows to your honor, O God. Let it mingle with the lights of heaven and continue bravely burning to dispel the darkness of this world's night. May the morning star which never sets find this flame still burning. Christ, that morning star, who came back from the dead and shed his peaceful light on all mankind, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. 
The scripture readings for this Easter sunrise from the 15th chapter of Exodus, the Old Testament lesson. And then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea, and the floods covered them, and they went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury, and it consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, and the floods stood up in a heap. And the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue, and I will overtake, and then I will divide the spoil, and my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. But then you blew with your wind, and the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the supposed gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing such wonders? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. lesson from the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, inspired by God's Spirit, writes, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but rather with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And so Peter went with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, and both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned, and she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things unto her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and our risen Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for this Easter sunrise is from the Old Testament reading appointed for this morning, the 15th chapter of the book of Exodus. After having been brought safely through the waters of the Red Sea, and having seen the Lord drown all their foes in the wave, it's written, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. So far our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus Christ. On the first Easter morning, as the sun's first light broke over that Easter scene, standing there weeping before the empty tomb, was Mary Magdalene, who stood on the salvation side of the sea, and she didn't even know it. I suppose that the metaphor salvation side of the sea isn't a metaphor that you've probably heard before, especially not on Easter morning. Maybe not. But it is, I tell you, entirely fitting, especially for an Easter morning. Someone once observed that the motif or the recurring theme in Scripture is the exodus, the mighty deliverance of God's people from their Egyptian captivity. And it's not a stretch to say so. In fact, the afternoon of Jesus' resurrection, recall, while the newly risen Christ walked and talked incognito with those Emmaus-bound disciples, Luke tells us that Jesus, beginning at Moses... And all the prophets expounded to them the things in all the scriptures concerning himself. Luke goes on to say then that that very evening, the night of the resurrection, after vanishing there from the Emmaus table and appearing to his disciples, he appeared to his apostles and he explained that everything written about me, he said, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Further, elsewhere, Jesus said to the Jews, if you believed Moses... You would believe me, for he wrote of me. Can it be that concealed in the very real and historical events that Moses helped lead and then wrote of, can it be that God was therein prefiguring the spiritual reality that would come to pass on a Sunday morning at a newly vacant tomb? That he was prefiguring the spiritual reality that would come to pass in the life of a simple woman named Mary from the town of Magdala and in the lives of countless others who this Easter morning stand, as it were, with Mary at that tomb. Can it be? Well, consider. Moses wrote of a people too many to number under a captivity too long to remember They were your average men and women, even children, just like you and yours. But they'd never known anything but their bondage because they'd been born into it. Now surely many tried to free themselves by doing good work, lots of good work. But in the end, no matter how hard they worked, they never could meet the quota that was demanded by the law. They made bricks and the Pharaoh said more. They made more and the law said, now supply your own straw and make just as many bricks. You can imagine, I think, the hopelessness of that situation. But here's the truth. 
You don't have to imagine it. Because you were born into it. That's your born spiritual condition. That's what scripture says of us in our born spiritual condition. That we were as good as dead in sin. Just like they were as good as dead in their born condition. Scripture says of you and me in our, in our natural condition. It describes us as a slave to sin. As confined under sin. Condemned under the law it says. Entangled it says in the yoke of bondage. Under him, scripture says, who had the power of death, the devil. You don't have to imagine, do you? You don't have to imagine the hopelessness of the situation. You've lived it. You've lived it whether you've known it or not. Now working themselves raw, surely, often our human hands will try to, try to work their way out of sin's captivity and into heaven. By the number of good bricks... Good works we might fashion. That's to say that, that we'll fashion, we'll shape good things by what we do, by virtue of what we might say, in the hopes, really in the delusion, that we might amass enough to meet what's required of us. But the quote is never met. Be perfect, says the standard, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Whoever shall keep the whole law, says the quota, and yet stumble in a single point, is guilty of the whole thing, the whole law. You don't have to imagine, do you? For you know that as Scripture says, no man is justified by the works of the law in the sight of God. Why? Because all have fallen short of the glorious standard of God. The early church father named Origen, I think he put it awfully well. And he summed it up well. He said, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were afflicted with mortar and brick for the works of Pharaoh, the king, until they cried out in their groaning to the Lord. He says, when we were also in Egypt, I mean in the errors of this world and in the darkness of sin's ignorance, we then did, by virtue of our natural born condition, we then did the works of the devil. But he says, the Lord had pity and sent his only begotten son, to deliver us. And so he did. So he did in the fullness of time. When the time was right. God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem. To ransom us. Who were under the law. And quite frankly. Moses wrote of that too. Didn't he? Even if he didn't know it. For Moses would write of a deliverance that would come by the blood of a lamb. Now you know that this lamb, this Passover lamb, sometimes called the Paschal lamb, you know that this lamb wasn't just any lamb. The lamb chosen had to be without blemish, without spot. It had to be a sound, it had to be a choice, a perfect offering unto God. It had to be a male, didn't it? It had to be a young male. And without a bone in his body broken, it was to be slain, wasn't it, at the close of the day. And it's blood, it's precious blood. It was to be applied and to mark the dwellings of the people so that death wouldn't sweep them away. But so that death would pass over them. I think you can imagine, can't you? You can imagine what must have gone through their minds that... 
And put yourself in their shoes. What must have gone through their minds that first Passover to behold that chosen lamb as it was led before them to slaughter, as it processed before them to the place where it would die. Imagine what must have been in their thoughts then, that night to hear the audible sadness of those all around as death swept over and did its thing. And yet to know peace within their walls because of the blood of a lamb that marked their doors and their homes. Imagine how it must have cut them to the heart and must have forced them to pause in a moment of gratitude when in the dawn they emerged from their dwellings, ready now to leave captivity and there to see that lamb's blood stained on their doorposts and to know that it's what saved them from death that otherwise would have carried their firstborn away. Imagine. But the Easter truth is this, that you don't have to imagine it. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. You don't have to imagine what it was like to behold the chosen Lamb of God led to slaughter, striding on to where he'd die for you. You beheld it, didn't you? This past week, you beheld it. As we followed him in palmed procession, and then to the upper room, and to the garden, and to trial, and to the altar of his cross. You don't have to imagine what it's like to know the peace that resides in your dwelling, because you're marked with the blood of the Lamb. You don't have to imagine what it must have been like to know that it's the Lamb's blood on the doorposts of your heart that saved you from an eternal death that otherwise would have swept and carried you away. You don't have to imagine it, do you? For behold, the Lamb of God, Scripture says, that takes away the sin of the world. Behold, Scripture says, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct inherited by your forefathers, but it says you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb, it says, without blemish and without spot. You don't have to imagine, do you? For behold, Scripture says, he was delivered up because of our trespasses, and was raised because of our justification, our being declared right and righteous and forgiven in God's sight. That's the reality. That's the reality that we mark today. Jesus Christ, our Paschal Lamb, has been sacrificed, and by his resurrection, the triune God has declared his sacrifice fully acceptable. For all people of all time, and thereby he's declared you justified. Christ's Easter resurrection, its divine validation that over sin, as as those people on the seashore saying, he has triumphed gloriously. You might wonder, did Moses write of an Easter moment? I suppose the answer to that question is no. No, because Easter is not simply a passing singular moment in time only to be remembered, but it's a new life. 
in an ongoing life, in a continued life to live and to enjoy a forgiven life. In the risen and victorious Jesus Christ, that's why this Easter morning is as triumphant as the first Easter morning. For Jesus is just as risen today, and no less, just as risen today as he was that day. The angel, remember, outside the tomb, asked, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Friends, he's still not there. He's still risen. And as eternally long as Jesus Christ lives, and remember what Scripture says, Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. As long as he lives, his death and resurrection will be our life's strength, our daily strength, and it will be our song. In this new life, it's yours through the waters of baptism. For Scripture says, don't you know, that as many of us as were baptized into Christ's death, as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, Paul says, we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we too then shall walk in newness of life. But didn't Moses write of this too? For having delivered you by the blood of his lamb, hasn't the Lord now marked you and drawn you out of your captivity by the sea, by the waters of the baptismal font? Through these waters, hasn't he made for himself a holy people, you included? And having been baptized through the waters that unite you to Christ's freeing and liberating death and his resurrection, don't you stand today on the salvation side of the sea? Can't you today look on every sin and every accusation that would chase you and pursue you? Can't you look on them with the same confidence in which the baptized children of Israel looked on those that pursued them? For what did Moses write but this? The waters returned, he wrote, and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, that pursued them. And then he adds this, not so much as one of them remained. Not so much as one of your sins remains to convict you. Like the horse and rider that he's hurled into the sea, so the prophet Micah says that the Lord's cast all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Therefore, in this new life, you forget what lies behind you. Just as God's Old Testament people did standing there safely on the shore, you too forget your former life and the sins that lie drowned behind you. Forget what lies behind you and press on now in the wilderness. Press on in the strength of the true bread from heaven, the true manna from heaven. Press on to what lies ahead of you. A promised land. A heavenly land. Just as real for you as it was for them. Indeed, I say better. For as scripture says by baptismal faith, if we've been united to Christ in a death like his, 
then most surely we will be united with him and enjoy with him a resurrection like his. It's not at all hard to imagine, is it? How readily the people of the Exodus standing safely there on the salvation side of the sea. It's not hard to imagine how readily they would have sung with all of their voice. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. But you know the Easter truth. You don't have to imagine it. That song, that strength belongs to you. And so in our festival service this morning, later this morning, in our festival service, we, his Easter people, will raise our voice as one, like they did, and we'll shout the same song, the same words as they did to our God. We'll sing of him whose blood set us free to be people of God. We'll hear of the mighty work that our God has done for us. We'll thank the Lord and we'll sing his praise knowing that he recalls his promises and he leads us, his people, forth in joy. And we'll kneel or we'll sit or we'll stand that we might partake of the feast of feasts, the one that the Passover so patiently waited that it might see its day. We'll kneel, sit, or stand that in the Lord's high supper he may once again paint the doorposts of our hearts with the blood of his Lamb. And I tell you, that's no small thing. For to paraphrase ancient churchman John Chrysostom, if the mere blood of the prefiguring Lamb had so much power that when, this, when sprinkled on the doorposts, death shuddered at it, the, the, the prefiguring? How much more so, he asks, how much more so is death in terror of the real thing? The very blood and the body of Jesus Christ, which today will be applied to you. Friends, because Christ is risen now and evermore, Because he is today and every day foot to foot and shoulder to shoulder with Moses and Mary Magdalene, you and I, we stand on the salvation side of the sea. Join with me now in raising the strain. A blessed Easter to you.
O Paschal Lamb, by your sacrifice for the sins of the world, you have delivered us from our bondage to sin and to Satan and to death. Lead us now by your presence in word and sacrament and carry our souls through baptismal waters to the other side, to the promised land. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In this early morning Easter hour, when we have come in spirit to the tomb and found it gloriously empty, we celebrate your bodily resurrection. And we pray that by your power, our bodies too, in the day of the resurrection of all flesh at time's end, will with all of your faithful from all times and places be raised to eternal life, to there behold thee in eternal glory, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. In our sicknesses be our confidence that because of your resurrection, illness and disease have lost their holding power, and they must in the day of our resurrection give way to the perfect health of heaven. To that end, we pray for all who are sick or hospitalized, for all preparing for surgery or recovering from it, for all who are re rehabilitating and care facilities in their homes, for all who care for the sick and the suffering. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our hour of death, be, O Lord, our deliverer, our shepherd leading us through its shadowed valley, bringing us safely to the other side, and be the ever-present comforter of all who grieve, that they may find help and hope in your Easter promise, because I live, you shall live also. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be, O Lord, the protector and provider of the widow and the orphan, and in our day of want and need, provide for us, good Lord, all the necessities of life. And in our day of abundance and plenty, keep us from seeking more than you desire us to have, lest we neglect you and your word in order to gain the world while losing our soul. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our day of trouble, be our strong defense and deliver us. Grant us good government that ours may be a nation that lives out its days in freedom and prosperity encourages productivity and compassion, civility and peace, that is a blessing then to all people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide us, O resurrected Christ, through our time of pilgrimage, that we may be enabled by your Holy Spirit to readily confess our sins and to rightly receive your forgiveness through your word and sacraments in the fellowship of your church, and boldly profess your name in the morning in the midday and in the evening of our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer, O risen and living Lord Jesus Christ, who with the Holy Spirit is our advocate with God the Father, to whom you have taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O ever-living friend of sinners, risen gloriously from the dead, be thou with us, and by thy power raise us from our sin to newness of life. Thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. Of thy kingdom there shall be no end. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>
Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with you all. Amen.